Hi there, you're listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. TCC, a home for you. Well, good morning. Welcome to Trinity Community Church. Glad you could join us this morning. Before we get started, you know, I kind of, you know, worship was strong this morning, wasn't it? And I kind of really sense God saying, some of us need to consider making more room for him, for him, right? There may be some burdens that you're holding on to. God is also saying it's time to let that go. Don't, don't, don't bring it into 2022. You keep picking it back up. You lay it down, you pick it back up. God's saying, let it go. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. Amen? Hope you received that today. Well, my name is Daniel Lumpkin. I'm an elder here at Trinity Community Church. Uh, Pastor TJ's taking some time off, you know, as he should, right? And so uh, today you have me, right? That's not a bad thing either. <laughs> so uh, how was everybody's Christmas? Did you get the gift that you wanted? Was it all that and then some? Did you eat enough? Yeah, all that. Well, I hope you did and had as much fun as you possibly could. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name, his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. What's interesting about that is a child being born, and of course we're speaking about Jesus, him being born is God coming in humanity, as humanity. However, we know that the Son existed with God in time. So a son can't be born, but a son can be given. Amen. And so during this season, you know, I, I, I would hope that you would realize that God went through uh, to, I mean, just like you wouldn't imagine to get his son in the earth so that we could benefit from his goodness, because we know that the goodness of God leads us to repentance. Right. So today I'm going to talk about something that's like real dear and close to my heart, right? I'm going to talk about Jesus and his righteousness, the best gift ever, the best gift ever. And it's available. It's available to you today if you don't have it already. All right. But think about this. What, what if you could? receive a gift, right? 
a spiritual gift that just kept giving. Just kept giving. Was just so benevolent in spite of, in spite of what you do, in spite of like sometimes your moodiness, all that, in spite of your wrongdoing, this gift just keeps giving. Well, that's what I'm going to talk about today. Jesus Christ and his gift of righteousness. Amen. The Bible actually admonishes us to seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. Matthew 6.33. And then Paul. We're going, to, you know, we're going to be looking at quite a few scriptures today. Right? I'm a scripture guy. I believe in looking at the word. I believe in allowing the word to speak for itself. Right? And so we're going to be looking at some of the Apostle Paul's writing. Uh, because I think it's necessary to understand exactly how God utilized this gospel to bring about righteousness. All right? So first we're going to go to Romans chapter 1, verse 16. And it says this, I refuse to be ashamed of the wonderful message of God's liberating power unleashed in us through Christ. For I am thrilled to preach that everyone who believes is saved, the Jew first, and then people everywhere. This gospel unveils a continual revelation of God's righteousness a perfect righteousness given to us when we believe. And it moves us from receiving life through faith to the power of living by faith. This is what the scripture means when it says we are right with God through life-giving faith. Now, let me be vulnerable with you for a minute, all right? Why is this, this gospel so dear to me? Well, that there was a time in my life where things were not good. They, they, they were just horrible. And I was homeless, and I remember sitting on this bed in this homeless shelter. And there was a lady in this shelter who, who gave me this book. She gave me this book. And this book changed my life. Literally changed my life. And after that, reading this book, my life has never been the same again. I can remember sitting on the bed, reading this book, and the experience I had while reading this book was supernatural because I could literally feel like a weight just fell off my head. Literally, like, I mean, I couldn't see it. I couldn't hear it. But what I experienced was like a weight just said, boom, fell off my head. And when I looked up and opened my eyes, I just felt liberated, liberated. And ever since, God has been revealing more and more of himself to me. It's almost like a diamond. You know, and we'll get into some, some of this, but it's almost like a diamond when you put it in the light 
you can see the many different facets of that, of, of that diamond. And that, that's kind of what my experience has been like since this book. Because I didn't say it in the first service, I'm going to say it now to you guys. The name of the book was called The Power of Right Believing. And it was by a guy by the name of Joseph Prince. So what are some things that we can pull from Romans 1, 16 and 17? Talking about the gospel and, and the gospel that Paul preached. Well, first of all, it was the message of the cross that was considered foolishness to the Gentiles and a stumbling block to the Jews. But Paul was not ashamed of this gospel because he knew it was the power of God unto salvation. He also knew that this gospel effected salvation and that it rescued humans, you and me, from the wrath of God's judgment. He also knew that this gospel restored the glory of God that was lost because of Adam's sin. He also knew that it moved us from a life that, that, that was in condemnation and shame, it moved us from living through faith to a power of living by faith. He also knew that it established us in God's peace and gave us access to his grace. He also knew that it led to an experience of God's love, his love. He also knew that this gospel caused us to be adopted into God's family. He knew that this gospel had the power to save regardless of ethnicity. He knew that this gospel put us into right relationship with our Heavenly Father. But I want to go back to Romans 17, 1 and 17. I want to just highlight a couple things there. Romans 1 and 17 says this, the gospel unveils a continual revelation of God's righteousness. It's a perfect righteousness given to us when we believe. So we see that the gospel unveils, but what? What does it unveil? Well, I already, showed, I already shared it with you. He unveils, it unveils Jesus. The gospel unveils Jesus. And then what does it impart? It imparts the ability to live by faith. It imparts righteousness. It imparts strength. It imparts everything that we don't have for us to live a life by faith. Amen? The gospel reveals a divine truth and it imparts it into our hearts. The word gospel, by the way, comes from a classical Greek word, euangelion, and it means God's spell, or good story, a reward for bringing of good news, or simply good news itself. But what is our part in this gospel? What, what is our part? Our part is to believe, is to simply believe it. Right believing leads to right living. Now, 
I know that's like a very plain and simple statement, but when you think about it and you process that, right, if you believe wrong about anything, most of the time, you're probably going to do some wrong stuff. But when you believe right, you will begin to live right. And so that's what this teaching is about today. It's about helping you understand right and giving you the information to believe right. So, in the Old Testament, it talks about God's righteousness also. I've chosen one in Jeremiah chapter 33, verses 15 and 16. In those days and at that time, he's prophesying into the future. I will raise up a righteous descendant from King David's line. He will do what is just and right throughout the land. And in that day, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. And this will be its name. The Lord is our righteousness. Now, I want you to understand something this morning. You are not your own righteousness. As important as it is to live right and do right, you are not your own righteousness. Well, Brother Dan, what do you mean by that? This is what I mean. You cannot get right, be right, or anything like that based on what you do towards God. Right? Because of Adam's sin, who we were kind of like involved in that, even though we weren't there, right? You ever wonder what it's going to be like when you see Adam? Has anybody ever thought about what you're going to say to him when you get to heaven? I'm just saying. So, our righteousness is Christ, right? Because of who he is and what he has done for us. But before I actually define righteousness, I want to go look at another one of uh, Paul's writings in the book of Galatians, chapter 2, verse 20. <laughs> My old identity has been co-crucified with Christ and no longer lives. And now the essence of this new life is no longer mine. For the anointed one lives his life through me. We live in union as one. My new life is empowered by the faith of the Son of God who loves me so much that he gave himself, gave himself for me, dispensing his life, dispensing his life into mine. So that is why I do not view God's grace as something peripheral. For if keeping the law could release God's righteousness to us, then Christ would have died for nothing. So we have this, this old versus the new. And, and Paul is clearly helping us understand that this old man has been crucified. Crucified. Done away with. So, 
I have often thought about, right, um, if God has crucified the old man, well, why is it that some of us still feel like we can fix and repair the old man? as opposed to receiving what Christ has already done, like get out of the way, let Christ live in you and through you, right? Because he, he's, he's done some stuff to, to help us live the God kind of life, the God kind of life. And so he, here, here's another thing to consider. Christ didn't just come and die for our sins, as awesome as that is, awesome as that is. He also died as you. He died as you. Like how much more could he have done? Died for your sins. Then he said, you know what? I'm going to go further than that. I'm just going to take all of who you are in Adam, and I'm just going to bury it. That's awesome. So when we think about... God's grace being peripheral, what, like, what does that really mean? Well, to, to, to view God's grace as peripheral is to see it as minor, to see it as minor, secondary, unimportant, or irrelevant. Think about that. To kind of like set it aside to lay it down. It's from the Greek word atheteo, which is exactly what that means. Literally to unplace or do away with or reject what is already laid down. But, but why is it important not to do away with God's grace? What, why is it? Well, because the old man is gone. Because the old man is gone and the new has come. So let's go to 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things. Somebody say all things have become new. So, so what does that mean? It means that our old man, again, was co-crucified with Christ, passed out of sight, rendered void, has become vain, to neglect it and to disregard it. Like when your old man tries to rise up, you got to shut it down. You got to disregard it. You got to make it void. You got to like, you know, act like what God's word is truer. And I know this is kind of hard, but faith, faith is actually living according to the word of God. Because to God, faith is access to him, right? It's more real to him than us living in the flesh. Because God don't see that. God is spirit. And we also know that, you know, without faith, 
It's impossible to please God. Amen? So let's take a look at uh, this word righteousness. Let's take a look at that. It is the Greek word, I hope I don't mess this up. It is the Greek word dikesoni. I messed it up. But anyway, this is what it means. Righteousness or justice. Righteousness or justice. A divine righteousness of which God is the source or the author. It is the judicial approval and what is approved in God's eyes, or just simply, my definition, right standing and right relationship with God. But as I studied that word further, I found out, and this was like awesome when I saw this, in God's eyes, this, this righteousness from his perspective towards us is as if we were never, ever sinners at all. You see how just and righteous God is? Like he doesn't even see us the way we see each other, right? Let's just be honest. Let's just be honest. Sometimes, especially, you know, if you're married. I know sometimes me and my wife, you know, we have to repent and pray and, you know, get back in alignment. But in God's eyes... He doesn't see none of that. He sees you through his son. Amen? Amen? But why or for what reason do we need this righteousness? Well, for that, let's go to Romans 5. When Adam sinned, the entire world was affected. The entire world. Sin entered human experience and death was the result. And so death followed this sin, cascading its shadow over all humanity because all have sinned. And guess what? Death is still chasing after humanity. Amen? That's why it's good to be in Christ. So the fall of Adam caused separation between us and God. It caused separation. It broke our relationship and our position of righteousness, bringing in condemnation, bringing in shame and guilt, right? Thereby robbing us of our faith and trust in God. Think about that. As sinners, right? Why do people sin? Do people sin because they want to? I know that used to bug me, but he, here's the truth. People sin because they're sinners. They're, they're, and we inherited it from Adam. You don't sin because you're a sinner. You, 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 know, you sin because of Adam's sin, right? You are inherently a part of Adam. That is why Christ had to crucify you, right? We were all crucified with Christ because of Adam's sin. So let's take a look at what, what, what God calls the two federal heads. The two federal heads, like Adam is a type. 
He is a federal head, meaning all humanity fell under Adam, and then Christ has become the new federal head, right? And if you're in Christ, you are no longer under Adam, but you fall now under Christ. So let's go to Romans 5 and 14, and let's take a look at the contrast. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type, who is a type of him who was to come. But the free gift is not like the offense, for if by the one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation. That was Adam. But the free gift, the free gift which came from many offenses, sins of the whole world, resulted in justification. Acquitted. Acquitted. Another judicial term, acquitted. For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, here it is, much more those who receive an abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. That's good news. Verse 19. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. So again, that word justification, it, it means acquitted. And again, it's a judicial term. So as we look at the contrast between Adam and Jesus, we see that in Adam, came disobedience, and of course, because of his disobedience, came death, right? And, and death is still, is still an enemy. And then we see that through Christ came obedience. His obedience brought new life, new life to everyone. In Adam all die. In Christ, we're raised to life. In Adam we're condemned, guilty before God. But in Christ, in Christ, we are justified and raised to newness of life. In Adam, you see self-reliance, you know, dependent on self. In Christ, we see self-sacrifice. We see self-sacrifice. In Adam, of course, we see the fall, but in Christ, we reign in life. We reign in life because we were raised to newness of life. So let's go back to verse 19 and take a look at that one more time. I just want to be clear about one thing. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. Again, we cannot undo what Adam has done, no matter how hard you try. Your good deeds is not going to undo what Adam did. Done. It's done. 
So, we are challenged, we are challenged to no longer cater to the old man. Let the old man be where Christ put him. Amen? But how does one accomplish this particular thing, this transformation? What, again, is our part? Well, in Romans, again, chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, Paul tells us, but as the mighty son of God he was raised from the dead and miraculously set apart with a display of triumphant power supplied by the spirit of holiness. And now Jesus is our Lord and our Messiah. Through him, grace cascaded into us, empowering us with the gift of apostleship. Now Paul's explaining how this grace gave him uh, the specific empowerment to do what God called him to do, right? Because of Paul's mission and because of what he was called to do, Paul didn't do what he did in his own strength. He couldn't. It had been impossible. Paul relied on the power of God. But his mission was this, so that we can win people from every nation into the obedience that comes from faith to bring honor to his name. So we accomplish this through right believing, through right believing. Faith is believing on what Christ has done. So faith and obedience are like synonymous in a sense. Because I know there are a lot of people that, that really, really, really like you got to be obedient. You got to be obedient. That's not wrong. That's not wrong. But obedience is more about what you're hearing than it is about trying to do what's right. Doing what's right sometimes in the flesh can get you caught up. But in Romans chapter 6, it talks about, and I need to explain this so that you really understand what I mean. In Romans chapter 6, it talks about doctrine. It talks about whether you're following the doctrine of law or whether you're following the doctrine of grace. And if you're following the doctrine of law, then you're in self-effort because it's you doing something to be right with God. But if you're under the doctrine of grace, then it is what Christ has done for you that then empowers you to do what he has called you to do. Does that make sense? Because I, I really want to be clear about that because it then makes obedience a fruit. It makes it a fruit because you now have the right root. Amen? Because, like, you can be listening and hearing a lot of different things, and you could be thinking that you're living right, but you're believing wrong. Your believing is wrong. So sometimes we need to check our information to make sure we're hearing the right thing so that we're producing the right thing. Amen? So, and how does, like, God do all this? Well, again, he's a very righteous, judicial God. So, 1 Corinthians 5.21 tells us, tells us exactly how he did it. 
Christ never sinned. He never sinned. But God put our sin on him. Then we are made right with God because of what Christ has done for us. So on the cross, our sin was condemned, judged, and punished in Christ. Christ was our substitute. He went to the cross as us, and there was a transfer, right? Anybody ever heard the term imputation? Well, our sins were imputed to Christ, and his righteousness was imputed to us, right? What that means is, in God's eyes, again, you are no longer seen as a sinner. You are now seen righteous. What also happened was you have now changed masters. You are no longer in the prison of Adam. You are no longer in the prison of sin. You are now in the prison of righteousness, in the prison of Christ. All right? And now God's grace is what governs your heart. It's God's grace imparted in you that helps you to live the life of Christ. Obedience, again, now becomes the fruit because you now have the right root. So in closing, I want to go to a beautiful scripture. These next two scriptures are just, I mean, the Passion really expresses these two scriptures beautifully. Uh, the first one is Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. God's marvelous grace has manifested in person. Grace is a person, bringing salvation for everyone. This same grace teaches us how to live each day as we turn our backs on ungodliness and indulgent lifestyles. This same grace also equips us to live self-controlled and upright godly lives in this present age. So, here we see that, of course, grace is a person. Now, of course, I'm here teaching what grace is about, who grace is, but grace also teaches you from within. It is God's grace that teaches you, like, if you have a hang-up, a hurt, or a habit that you're trying to get over or get past, and you don't seem to be able to understand or know how to get past it, well, Christ does. And he will then impart the wisdom, the desire, and the performance to help you get out of that particular hurt, habit, or hang-up. That's just how it works, because he loves you that much. He loves you that much. So God's grace will teach you from within how to deny ungodliness and, how to, and, and ungodly uh, indulgences. The grace of God will also teach you how to live self-controlled and an upright life. So in closing, another beautiful scripture, Romans 5, 1 and 2. Our faith, our faith in Jesus transfers, listen at that, our faith, our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us. And he now declares us 
flawless in his eyes. In his eyes. This means that we can now enjoy true and lasting peace with God, all because of what our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One, has done for us. Our faith, again, our faith guarantees us permanent access into this marvelous kindness that has given us a perfect, a perfect relationship with God. What incredible joy bursts forth within us as we keep on celebrating our hope of experiencing God's glory. Do not ever let anybody tell you that you are not right with God. You are not the righteousness of God. I don't care how bad you messed up yesterday, this morning. In God's eyes, you are his beloved. You are his beloved, and he sees you as righteous. Not because of what you do or what you don't do, but because of what he has done for you. Amen? So as we close, I just want to offer, if anybody does not have this gift, I want to pray for you so that you can receive this gift of righteousness. So this is an opportunity for all of those that have not the gift to receive it. So if you could just close your eyes, just close your eyes for a minute. And if you do not have this gift, can you just raise your hand for me? Can you just raise your hand? Amen. So I just want to pray that everyone here would continue to grow in God's grace and in his righteousness. And Father, that you would continue to show them more of your beauty, more of your perfection, more of your goodness, more of your love, in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. We hope this met you exactly where you are. To learn more about us, head to our website at tccde.com or follow us on social media at Trinity Community Church. TCC, a home for you.